Let's go in our Bibles this uh, this evening to Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5, we'll begin reading in verse number 1. Luke chapter 5, verse number 1, we'll all stand together for the reading of God's Word. Luke chapter 5, verse number 1, we'll read down to verse number 11. The Bible says, And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him... Often we see people pressing upon Jesus to be healed or to see a miracle. But here, why are they pressing? They pressed upon him to hear the word of God. People today still have a desire to hear God's word, even if they don't realize it or understand it. They pressed upon him to hear the word of God. He stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two ships coming by the lake. Stand, sorry, and saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. So notice that he's he's now teaching the people before he performs this miracle that we see. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us much about his sermon in this passage, I love to read and to hear the sermons of Jesus and to learn about it. But this passage doesn't tell us about his sermon because the purpose here that God wants us to see is not the sermon, but what Jesus does after the sermon, showing his disciples something. After he taught the people, verse four says, now, when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draught. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, and that's enough, at thy word, I will let down the net. And when he had thus done, this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net break. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both ships so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For we ha- for he was astonished at all that, uh, and all they that were with him at the draught of the fishes which they had taken. And so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. And when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. Let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Father, we're so thankful for your blessings. We thank you for your love for us. We thank you for your miracles in our lives. We thank you for your desire to use each and every one of us in your work to lead the lost to you. I pray that you would speak to our hearts tonight, encourage us, encourage uh, your children. If there's anyone here that has never received you as their Savior, I pray that tonight that they would realize their need and in faith accept you as their Savior. We love you and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Working with Christ is the idea on my heart this evening that I would like to share with you guys Working with Christ, working with Jesus. Now, notice that when Jesus sent them out into the deep, where was Jesus at when he says to Peter, launch out into the deep? Where was he? He was in the boat with him. He didn't just send them without his presence. 
He goes with us. Christ does not send us without his presence. He goes with us in the boat. It reminds me of a passage in Exodus chapter 33. You don't have to turn there for time's sake. But uh, God was talking to Moses. He had great things for Moses to do. Moses was uh, a very shy person. He didn't like to speak in front of people. That's the way I was growing up. I was very shy. I didn't want to speak in front of anyone. There's no way that you could have convinced me when I was 15 or 16 years old that I would ever be speaking in front of people in a church. It was just, it wasn't my personality. Uh, Moses was that same way, but God said to Moses, he said, and he said, my presence shall go with thee and I will give thee rest. And he said unto him, if thy presence go not with me, carry us not up hence. Now, I understand what Moses is saying. And if we could look at it and think, well, Moses was a little rebellious, but he wasn't. I understand exactly what Moses was saying. He wasn't saying, I will not go. He's saying, I will go, but Lord, I want your presence with me. And God had just promised his presence. And Moses, I believe, was acknowledging his dependence upon God. He was acknowledging his dependence and and expressing his desire for the presence of God. In fact, the idea is the presence of God. It's not the work. It's not what I'm going to go do, and I'm just asking God to go with me. No, whether God leads me to go or whether he leads me to to stay, all I'm doing is seeking his presence. Then in your life, it's just as easy as that. How on earth do you end up in Argentina? All I was doing was just trying to walk with Christ. And and all you need to do is say, well, what if God calls me to, to Africa? We we always use that illustration, right? My wife's cousin was a missionary in Africa. He's now a director of, with a mission board for Africa. Well, what if God wants me to go to Africa? Well, it doesn't matter. All you got to do is walk with him and he'll get you there and you'll be safe with him. So I believe what Moses was saying, he's saying, Lord, I can't do it on my own. I don't want to do it on my own. If you're going, I'll go. And Lord... If you're not going to go, then don't send me up. I just want to be with you. And that ought to be our heart. That that often is my prayer before I get into the pulpit is, Lord, I'll do it. But I need you. I want you to go with me. I need you to help me. And I will do it if you go with us. If thy presence go not with me, carry us not up hence. I'm looking for your your presence. It's interesting that Jesus performs I believe this miracle as a lesson for his disciples to see after the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God. We don't know what the sermon was about, but we just know the people were pressing upon him to hear the word of God. He says to Simon, he said, launch out so I can preach. He taught them. And after preaching, he says, go out into the deep. And let down your net for a draught of fish. Now, I believe that people have a hunger to hear the word of God. But there are two problems. The problem is, one, many preachers are not preaching the word of God. And not only that, but I believe and I noticed this when I was just a young person and a teenager at my church. I didn't understand why 
the whole town of Chilhowee, Virginia, didn't come to my church, Chilhowee Baptist Church. And I quickly found out, and I wish that people would just come to my church one time so that they could see that it was different. I felt like, as I'd been in churches that weren't like that. I've been in churches where I didn't want to go back. And I was changed because I went to a good church and I saw what God was doing and God did a work in my life. But I believe not only are many preachers not preaching the word of God, but I believe so many people have heard preachers who are not preaching the word of God. And they've seen so much uh, stuff going on that's contrary to the Bible and fighting and fuss and all this stuff going on that they reject all preaching, assuming that it is all the same. And I believe that is the working of Satan. His desire is to flood places with false prophets and false preachers so that people just reject it all. I was telling someone just this morning that in Argentina, um, I believe I mentioned earlier that, that most people are Catholic. Well, you never see the Catholics. You never see the priests. You never see... Anybody out there in their church, you want to see a Catholic minister, you got to walk by and look in the door when they're having service because otherwise they're not out doing anything. But everywhere you see the charismatics, you see the Mormons and you see the Jehovah's Witnesses and they're all over the place. And we've discovered a lot of times folks are very friendly to us. They'll open the door, they'll listen, not everybody. But we've noticed, because we, we moved our church to a new neighborhood and we were trying to canvas the area and pass everything out. And one day, we, we would knock on a door and people wouldn't even open the door. They wouldn't open the window. They just kind of pull the, the shade back in motion. Go on, go on. Well, what in the world's going on? Well, we went another block or two and we looked around the corner and there we saw them. Either two Mormons or three or four Jehovah's Witnesses that had just gone through right in front of us. Satan, I believe, put them there. And and they assume that it's just the same old group. And they're like, I already said no, I already said no. And I, I, I understand. I don't blame them because, honestly, I'm the same way when they come. I don't want to. Then, you know, I've often told the story that there's only one time in my life that I remember being invited to church. I grew up in church. My parents were teaching children's church when my mom was pregnant with me. I was in church the first day of my life. There's only one time that I remember somebody coming to our house and, and inviting us to church. But uh, And that's sad because I live in the Bible Belt. But um, in Argentina, quite frequently, the Mormons or the Jehovah's Witnesses come by. I'm going to share this with you. It's kind of funny. You might be able to use this. I can teach you some Spanish words if, if you want to try to use this. One day, the Jehovah's Witnesses knocked on, on our door. And actually, they can't knock on the door. They have to knock on the gate or ring a, a little doorbell. All the houses there have these safety gates around them. And I didn't look out to see who it was. I think maybe I was expecting someone or a package. And as soon as I heard that, I opened the door and I ran out. And I went, oh, no. <laughs> That's exactly what I thought. And I don't know why I'm not this this sharp, but for some reason, this idea just came to my mind. Instead of saying anything in Spanish, I just spoke in English and I just said this. I just said, I don't feel like speaking Spanish right now. 
because they couldn't understand it. I just said, I don't feel like speaking Spanish. And they didn't understand. They looked at each other like, what did, what did he say? He doesn't speak Spanish. And they're, they're like, and they just waved and they went on. <laughs> so, and they haven't been back. I guess they're like, well, we need to find somebody that can speak this guy's language because he doesn't know. And I was just kind of being funny. I just said, I don't want to speak Spanish right now. So, and I said it in English. So if you want to learn how to say in Spanish, or actually, I said, I don't want to speak Spanish. Did I say, I don't want to speak English? I can't remember. I don't want to speak Spanish, and I said it in English. Well, you can go out in Spanish and say, uh, no quiero hablar inglés. <laughs> if you want, I'll teach you how to say that. Maybe you can get them off your porch, and uh, they'll keep going. But uh, we see the Mormons, the Jehovah's Witnesses, the Charismatics, and, you know, just all over the place. And so many people have just rejected it all. But I believe that people deep in their heart, they have a desire to hear God's word. I can remember um, after my wife and I got married, we'd finished Bible college and we got married. We moved back to my, my hometown. We were just praying for God to guide us. Where do we work? What do we do? And I worked in the lumber yard and my wife was teaching in a, a school. And in the lumber yard, they put me in the back. We would load the boards and all that stuff. And I worked with a, a guy that was one of the roughest guys that I've ever worked with. His mouth, his his anti-God, everything. He was just, but, you know, we got along well. Believe it or not, we got along well. We worked well. You can get along with people. We respected each other. But uh, uh, he he blamed God for his dad dying when he was a boy and so much else. He was very hard. But there was times I would try to share the gospel. I would wait for God to open up an opportunity because I couldn't be throwing it at him all the time. But sometimes a conversation would come up or something would happen or whatever. And just along the way, I could just throw out something. You know, the Bible says something like this. And sometimes it's about prophecy or whatever it was. And it was always fascinating to me that whenever I would start sharing, oh, you know, there's a parable that says blah, 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 that he would just freeze. And I wondered if he didn't have demonic problems and all the, the Crazy things has gone on. He'd been in jail for drugs and all this kind of stuff. He'd almost freeze like a deer in the headlight. And he would just stand there and he would listen. And then usually after a few minutes, it's like something just, he'd almost jump and up like this. And he'd run off and he'd turn on the rock music as loud as he could. But, you know, it, it was kind of shocking. But I learned to see that quite often. And I'd be careful not to try to force a conversation, but if something, I would pray for God to open an opportunity that I could talk to him and share his love. But I saw that even someone like that, that the word of God captivates. It does. It captivates the mind, the attention, the heart. And he was listening. He wanted to hear, although he'd remind himself, I don't want to hear that, you know, and then he would go on. But I believe people want to hear the word of God. And the people pressed upon Jesus to hear the word of God. Now, I want you to notice quickly the difference in working with Jesus versus working without Jesus. The Bible says, uh, Peter said to Jesus, Jesus said, launch out into the deep for a draw to fish. And how did Peter respond? Peter said, Master, we've toiled all night long and we've caught nothing. Did Peter know what he was doing? Peter knew. Peter was a fisherman. He he wasn't just a fisherman like me that I like to go fishing. He worked. It was his livelihood. He knew how. 
He knew when. He knew when the fish were were active and when they weren't. And Peter knew that it wasn't a good time to fish. He said, Lord, we have been fishing all night long and we caught nothing. We're, we're tired. We want to go home. But the difference was working without Jesus in the boat and now working with Jesus in the boat. I found that it is only the presence of Jesus that makes the difference. I believe we ought to put forth a lot of effort. But how many times in my life and my ministry I have discovered that effort does not make the difference. I believe we should work hard. How many times I've worked hard. I said we're going to work extra hard this week. And and hard work has not made the difference. We should work hard. I believe that. But it's not the hard work because there's been times that I've put in double hard work and I've seen half the profit from it. I believe we ought to be educated. We ought to work. We ought to study. But education does not make the difference. There's been many times that I've met guys that I thought were half as educated as I was. And then I watch and see what God does in their lives and the way that God blesses and works through them. And I realize that it is not education that makes the difference, although we should study. It reminds me of a story about uh, John Bunyan. You all know John Bunyan, author of the Pilgrim. And I can't remember the name of the 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 well-known popular preacher at the time. Somebody probably knows, but he was the guy that would preach to the king. And and the king found out that this guy, I don't know if anybody knows his name or not. We all remember John Bunyan, but we don't remember the other guy. Well, the king found out that this guy was going out in the country and listening to John Bunyan preach. And he kind of ridiculed. He said, what are you, the most learned theologian in England doing going and listening to that pauper preach. And he said, I would gladly relinquish all the learning of England if I might attain the pauper's canny for preaching. <laughs> you know, and that's what he, and we all read, I love the Pilgrim's Progress and learning about John Bunyan and all that he done because it's not education that makes the difference. The only thing that makes the difference and what Peter discovered on this day, what makes the difference is the presence of Jesus Christ in the boat. Christ is the one that gives the increase. He said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto myself or I will draw all men unto me. Now, we understand Jesus is talking about being on the cross, lifted up on the cross. Then he will die and he will draw all men to himself. But I believe that applies to everything that we do in my life, I need to keep lifting Jesus up. And if we lift up Jesus, he will draw all men unto himself. I remember when I first surrendered to preach, I was around 16 years old. And I already told you I was as shy as can be when I was growing up. I didn't want to speak in front of people. I don't know what I was doing when I surrendered to preach. And the people in the church thought the same thing. What's he doing when he surrendered to preach? Well, there was an old, old gentleman in the church. That was a wonderful man of God. He was quiet himself. He was very faithful. He was a deacon and a trustee. And he would go every Sunday morning during the Sunday school hour to a nursing home and teach Sunday school in a nursing home. Well, I didn't know that about him. But he came to me after I surrendered to preach. He said, meet me at the Sunday school hallway next Sunday morning, 15 minutes before Sunday school class. Uh, All right, I'll be there. I told my mom and dad where I was going. And uh, well, I didn't know where I was going, but I said he wants me to meet him there. 
So I met him there. He was carrying two hymnals in his Bible. He said, get in the car. We got in the car and we drove off. I thought, what in the world's going on? We drove over to the nursing home. He said, you're going to help me with, 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 um, uh, Sunday school. God's called you to preach. You need to start working in, in the church. I don't even know if he told the pastor. I have no idea. But, uh, we went and he handed me a song and he opened up. They brought people in. They were used to him coming. Some of them would come in and fall asleep and, you know, and some would listen. Some of them were just as sharp as can be in their minds. But we sang a couple songs, and then he turned it over. He said, God's called Justin to preach, and he's going to teach Sunday school this morning. And he walked over there and sat down. And went, I swallowed. I thought, what am I going to do? I don't know what I did. I can't remember. I might I might have passed out on the floor. I don't know. But I opened the Bible, probably John 3.16 or something. I opened it up, and I just started talking about it. And then he said, and it was over, and we went back. He said, be here again next week the same time. I thought, well, for sure, I did such a bad job. He won't invite me back. But he said, be here again next week the same time. So I, the next week I was prepared. And every week after that, I was prepared. I would be ready. Well, there's one thing that he would do. His name was Brady. He's in heaven now. Every single time he would say, just brag on Jesus. Just brag on Jesus. I don't know how many times he would say that. Just brag on, just lift up Jesus. And, and the folks in the nursing home would come. They, they would want to hear about Jesus. And that's where, I guess that's where I cut my teeth was in a nursing home. And I really enjoyed it. But we lift up Jesus. Lifting up Jesus means showing him. I heard a, a young preacher one time. I traveled with a group that did Bible school. And, uh, you know, you talk about, I talk about the education, hard work, talent, all those things are not what makes the difference. It's the presence of Jesus. Well, this guy had all of that. He was talented. He could preach. He could sing. He looked good. He was athletic. And one time he said something to the other guys. He said, he said, it's our job to make Jesus look good. And I instantly, I didn't know it's not. He already looks good. There's nothing we can add. Our job is just to point people to him. Yeah. To see him high and lifted up. And our job is to show people, is if he is high and lifted up, he will draw all men, not unto us. He will draw all men unto himself. Paul said, we preach Christ crucified and risen from the dead. Our, what is our responsibility? Our responsibility is simple. Number one, I don't have to understand everything. I don't need to know how to do it. I don't have to have the plans. Number one, my job is launch out into the deep. What is that? Go out of the church. Go out where the people are. We must not only preach in the church. We need to take it, as you guys already mentioned. I think these are the Bible school invitations right here. I recognize them from when we were working in the church in Ohio. You go out to where they are and and invite them and compel them to come in. Jesus told the story of the, 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 the servant and he said, go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be full. Number one, we just go out, go out and, and launch out into the deep. Number two, our job is to let down the net. Now, I don't have to understand why. I don't have to understand what is going on. I just need to do my part. I believe Letting down the net because Peter had already let down the net. He had already fished all night long and caught nothing. So what is the idea now of letting down the net? I believe this shows us that we just need to let the Holy Spirit do what the Holy Spirit does. 
I'm depending on the presence of Christ. I ask Christ to go with me. Now, I know, I often pray and say, Lord, if you're going to send me, go with me. But when I go, I pray and say, Lord, please be with me. Fill me with your spirit. Help me. I want you to do this. And when I let down the net, I'm trusting the Holy Spirit to do what I can't do, to do what he does. I'm going to get out of the way. I'm going to let him do the work. Let the Holy Spirit do the work. I need to stop trying to do his work. When I realize that it's the Holy Spirit that draws people, that brings them to the Savior, then all the crippling stress falls off of my shoulders. And I don't have to worry about whether I'm talented enough, whether I'm charismatic enough, or whether I'm educated enough. Jesus is with me. He says, let down the net. Let's let down the net. And we're surprised what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit brings them. Jesus draws them unto himself. Past failure does not determine future success. Peter said, well, Lord, we fished all night and we caught nothing. How many of you guys like to fish? I love to fish. I'm glad my life, my livelihood doesn't depend on catching fish because sometimes I catch them, sometimes I don't. But if you go fishing, you'll understand that sometimes the fishing is slow and sometimes the fish are all biting all at the same time, doesn't it? What makes the difference? Now, I like to fish. There's a couple of times we've had a chance to go fishing in Argentina. And if you got to drive a long way to get there, I want to try to know is it going to be a good fishing day or not. So I, you can get those calendars that tells you if it's going to be a good fishing day or not. I've got this app on my phone, and it tells me according to the moon this would be a good day in the weather. You know what? Doesn't don't it don't doesn't work, does it? There's been days that I've gone, and it says today's a 98% fishing day. <laughs> And I've caught nothing. And I've tried this bait and I've tried this bait and I've tried another bait. And and I've gone to where they stock the trout or I've gone to where everybody says this is a good spot and catch nothing. And there's other times when I've gone that says today's going to be one of the worst fishing days. Thinking, you know what? I've got the chance to go fishing today and I can't go next week. I'm going to go and we're just catching them like wonderful. Well, the thing is this. We don't know when they're going to fish. We depend on the Lord. But if we're not in the boat when the fishing is slow, we will not be in the boat when the fishing fish start to bite. If I'm out there and say, well, nobody's nobody's answering the door. Why aren't they accepting my invitation? I don't know. Maybe maybe somebody ran through the water and scared them. Maybe the Jehovah's Witnesses just went by. I can still leave an invitation. A little bit later on, they go, oh, well, that wasn't the the Mormons. That was the Baptist. And they left me an invitation anyways. I don't know. I know my granddad used to used to put stuff in the water and leave it overnight before going catfishing so that it would draw them in. There's nothing wrong with planting the seed one day and going back and fishing again another day. But if we're not in the boat when the fishing is slow, we won't be there when the fishing starts to bite. Peter said, nevertheless, at thy word, we don't have to understand. We don't have to know it all. All we need to do is follow his instruction. Let's look at verse number six. Verse number six says, and when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net break. I believe that God is preparing 
souls to receive the gospel and we need to go out and get them. It was the same day. Peter fished all night. There was no fish there. They didn't use lures. They All they did was put down the net and bring them in. God is the one that is preparing the souls. Now, he uses the word of God. We need to share the word of God. Look at verse number 7. Verse 7, And they beckoned unto their partners which were in the other ship that they should come and help them. And when they came and filled both ships so that they began to sink. They beckoned unto their friends that they should come and help them. We need help. Not only do we missionaries need your help, I'm talking about all of us. You need the help of the person beside you. You need the help of the guy behind you, the person across the aisle from you. We need help. We can't do this on our own. There's no need for competition among God's brethren. I don't need to look at this brother and say, well, boy, look at what God's doing with him. Look at what God's giving him. Why don't I get to fish over there? Why don't I get? No, there's no competition. We need help. We need to work together. They couldn't bring them all in, even with both of their boats. Think about this, and this is something that I've noticed growing up, fishing with my dad, fishing with my brother, fishing with friends. I've noticed that the only time that I compete and compare myself with others is when none of us are catching fish. You ever notice that? That yeah, we, I took the boys a couple weeks ago, and uh, we we were fishing. They said they'd stock trout. It was supposed to be a good fishing day. I don't know why we weren't catching any, but we weren't catching. I look at go, you catching anything? <laughs> and another guy walked by and he had some, and I noticed it because I wasn't catching it. But when everybody's catching fish, and we're all, oh, I got one, I got one, I got one over here, and they're reeling in. We don't keep count. I don't keep count. There's too many. Everybody's keeping. I don't. I don't ask. Hey, how many of you got? Well, he's got. He's, he's just one after another. He's bringing in. I'm catching. And over here, they're catching. The only time that we compare ourselves with others is when we're not having success. But when the fish are biting. But you know, um, when Paul said this in Second Corinthians chapter ten, verse twelve, he says, "We dare not make ourselves of the number." Or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. <laughs> how tall are you? Well, how tall? What's it matter? You know, <laughs> compare ourselves with ourselves. The only time that we become critical of others, that we count what others are doing, that we count what we're doing is when we're not having good success. But you know what? Just keep fishing. Just get, just find where God is and it doesn't matter whether he, he's walking with you here, he's walking, leading you somewhere else. Just stay with the presence of Christ. And if the fish aren't biting, just stay, just keep fishing because eventually the fish will start biting. Verse number eight says this, when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, depart from me for I am a sinful man. When Christ is in the boat, Pride goes out the door, but we're humbled and we see our sin before a holy savior. Verse number 11 says this. And when they had brought their ships to the land, they forsook all and followed him. All those fish that they had just caught, 
the two boats, the nets. The purpose wasn't the fish. Jesus didn't take them out there so that Peter, James, and John could catch a whole bunch of fish. That wasn't what they were truly fishing for. The Savior was looking for those three men. The Savior was looking for those three men. And he said to those men, my purpose is I want you guys to go out and fish for men. I want you to bring them in. They forsook all and they followed him. It can be hard to leave home. It can be hard. I remember, you know, we've recently spent the last five years in Argentina. We're going back again. It's hard to say goodbye to family. It is. But I remember leaving Chilhowee, coming down here to Powell. For me, was a harder trip to make because I'd never hardly left Chilhowee. My parents took me on the I never. My parents still live in the same house where they lived when I was born. <laughs> so... But that that leaving was harder than going to Argentina. When we went to North Carolina after getting married and worked in a church, that was harder. Every, every time it seems to be a little bit easier. But, you know, it's never it's never easy to leave home. It can be hard to leave home and forsake all. But when we read this passage and we think about our life, we know that it's about following Christ and the forsaking is only a side note. My purpose is following Christ. You know, my eyes are on him. It's like having a friend or somebody you enjoy hunting or fishing or whatever with. Or maybe you ladies, you enjoy fishing and you see your friend and they hey, yeah, I want to go with you. We forget about all this. Our mind is not on the things that we're forsaking. I don't take a list and say, well, I'm leaving this. I'm, I'm forsaking this. I'm giving up the, no, I don't even think about those things. My mind is on following the Savior. They forsook all, but it wasn't forsaking. It was following. Their purpose wasn't saying, I'm just going to forsake all this and give it all up. No, their mind was, I'm following Jesus. And when all this stuff was just too heavy to follow, hey, I can't keep up without even thinking, they're just leaving it behind. I'm not saying you have to leave Powell. All I'm saying is you need to follow the Savior. And if he's follow, if he's leading you somewhere else, it won't even be a thought in your mind. Oh, it's sad to leave home. It is. It's sad to see family. But our desire is following the Savior. Well, what if God calls you somewhere? Well, if he does, that's where your desire will be. You just follow the Savior. Let's stand together with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. I'm going to ask our pastor to come. Father, we're so thankful for your blessings. We thank you for what you do in our lives. Lord, we thank you for your presence. You don't just send us out to work. You go with us. And Lord, we wouldn't want to do it without you. Lord, if you're going to send us and your presence doesn't go, then don't send us up because we just want to be with you. But we're thankful that your presence goes with us. And Lord, wherever you go, wherever you lead us, we're happy to go. Our eyes are on you. Help us to walk with you. Help us to lead the lost to you. We love you and we ask this in Jesus' name.